Holy Spirit's here with us. He's the one through our Lord Jesus Christ who restores us, who heals us, who fulfills us, and who protects us. Thank you, Father. In the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, pray that you restore them today. Any burden, <clears throat> any form of affliction, any form of bondage, any form of oppression, any forms of sadness and fear, anything that is interrupting them from having a relationship with you, I pray you remove that seed now in Jesus' name. Put your hand on your heart and believe the Holy Spirit's here. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray for every attack of the enemy to be lifted over them now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I thank you. Father, in Jesus' name, that you remove the spirit of fear from their life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you go between each one and restore them, refresh them today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> you don't have to wait till tomorrow to be freed by the Lord because faith is present. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Any forms of delay over their life regarding their spiritual path with you, we disconnect them from that, Lord. We reject any forms of delay that come from the enemy. We reject any form of failure and disappointment that's come from the enemy. We reject any lie that's come from the enemy. In the name of Jesus Christ, we declare in this place 
Let whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We reject any seed of loneliness in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, the people that are lonely here in this place, you must know that Jesus paid the ultimate price for his love to be fulfilled in you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm restored today. <clears throat> Satan, I command you to take your hands off them. They are the property of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they have been bought at a price. I command you to take your hands off each one of them, spiritually, mentally, physically. Thank you, Jesus authority over snakes and scorpions and we have authority to trample on them and by no means shall they ever harm us thank you Jesus that Satan is defeated because of the blood of Jesus receive it now thank you Holy Spirit thank you Holy Spirit's coming now receive it now in Jesus name Lord, because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Be free in the mighty name of Jesus. to the Lord will fail. No one who belongs to the Lord will fail. But if you choose to hold on to your life, you will fail. Thank you, Jesus. Worship you, Jesus. For perfect love drives away all fear. There is no fear in perfect love. Thank you. 
so many people here lacking God's love. Let me reassure you that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ ever again. No matter where you are, it's God's love that lifts you up. Thank you, Jesus. God's love is here through the Holy Spirit to lift your heart up, not words by power. God will accept you. You just have to come to Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you. promises they are yes and amen there's no more delay there's no more delay don't be hard on yourself anymore from today but there's no more delay in Jesus Christ he cancelled any forms of disappointment over their life physically or spiritually in Jesus name amen be seated. So we've been gone for the last hour and a half, so. <laughs> Who's ready for today? <clears throat> Let's go to Zechariah, chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 to 10, in the New Living Translation. So the Holy Spirit led me here on Monday. He wanted me to share uh, this scripture with everyone here. So it's a powerful scripture because it shows us all how we begin in the Lord. Okay, <clears throat> so the Holy Spirit led me to this teaching, and I'm going to share it with you today. It's regarding not to despise small beginnings. So how do we all begin in the, in the Lord today? We all begin small, I hope. If we can understand this, we can work on every detail of our life. The danger, the danger is trying to 
trying to move too quick or trying to be big too quick. And how can that happen today? How can that happen today? How can we become, how can we try to become uh, big very quick? Is when we go after ministry, we go after the power. We go after to be someone. That's the danger of <coughs> avoiding small beginnings. Now, everyone here, wouldn't you like to know that in, in an area of a small beginning regarding the walk with the Lord, what the Lord actually addresses? Wouldn't you like to know this? What the, what the Lord addresses in the area of a small beginning? And are you actually... Are you actually led in the same way? I'm going to preach it anyways. But this should encourage you because you begin to see here. Now, this is the same scripture how we always quote in our prayers. We've adapted this scripture in our prayers, not by might, not by strength, by his spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Yes, we know that, right? Let's read it in context because then we can get a clearer picture of what the true power of God was designed to do in our lives. So let's read it here. Then he said, this is from the New Living Translation. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is, only, it is not by force, nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. Now, what is a mountain symbolic of in the New Testament? What is a mountain symbolic of in the New Testament? Anyone? A mountain. What is a mountain symbolic? Now, we're talking about the power of God against a mountain. Now, what's the, what is the, our opposition? When we walk in the Spirit, what is the opposition of that? Flesh. Our flesh. So the mountain is symbolic of our flesh. You with me? Good. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, May God bless it. May God bless it. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of Heaven's army has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Now isn't this an encouraging scripture? That God's more delighted in the small beginnings than the great outcome. Because for someone that's become great, he's went through that process of small beginnings to become great. So where does Jesus, where, where does Jesus really glorify when it comes to your journey? It's not the end result of you walking in the power, you walking in the truth. It's the beginning. Because if you are not patient, and if you're not willing to start from, from zero then you're trying to bypass his process. 
God's showing you here, look what it says here. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Now he's talking about a plumb line now. He's got a plumb line in his hand. I'm going to explain what a plumb line is so you can begin to understand that the power of God was truly instituted with us to deal with what first? The mountain, then to put a plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. But he's showing you here that a plumb line is given, is given to a person who starts in small beginnings. It says here, the seven lamps represent the eyes of the Lord that search all around the world. Now, I'm not going to speak about that. I'm speaking about the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand today. Now, it talks about small beginnings. Small beginnings leads to a plumb line in your hand. Now, this is something that you have to understand. Because let's say now everyone started their journey. Everyone here has started their journey with the Lord, right? Yes? Has everyone started their journey with the Lord here? How many people are sure where they're going? How many people are sure what the Holy Spirit is dealing with? How many people have understood how to cooperate with the Lord and the Holy Spirit and the Scripture? There's a good balance that God wants to establish in our lives. Are we understanding? So he's talking about a plumb line. So can have, Chris, can I have that photo, please? Uh, the first photo that I sent you about the plumb line. Now this is a spiritual picture. So that's a plumb line. They use builders mostly use this. Uh, Bricklayers use it. It's used to measure to make sure that the measurement of the wall is straight. But a plumb line, a, a spiritual plumb line, is to build the right structure of a wall to protect you in this walk. What is a wall designed to do? What is a wall designed to do? To house the presence of God inside of you. So a wall speaks of protection. Why? Because when, God, when, you, when our bodies is the temple of the Holy Spirit, we need to have the right foundation around our path. Now imagine, imagine a man who's trying to build a wall that doesn't have a plumb line in his hand. What would happen to that wall? It will become a crooked wall, symbolic of your walk. So a plumb line is symbolic of the righteous path of God. So for a person who starts in small beginnings, what is God really trying to establish in them? The righteous, the straight path of God. So imagine now here, imagine here this hand coming from heaven. I have another picture. Chris, can we put the other picture? So this is the picture that, whose, who, whose hand was the plumb line in? Zerubbabel? No. So Jesus is known as what? The chief cornerstone who lays the foundation. Jesus is known as the builder. And he puts a plumb line in his hand now to establish something so important in our lives. If you don't get this, you'll miss out. So I'm going to share the meaning of plumb line. I wrote a half a page here, so just please listen. A plumb line 
also called a plummet, is a cord with a non-magnetic weight attached to one end. When the cord is held in such a way that the weight can dangle freely, an exact vertical can be determined. Builders, bricklayers, carpenters, plumbers use plumb lines to keep these, their work straight. It is difficult while in the middle of a project to determine true horizontal or ver a vertical line without an objective measuring tool, so a plumb line is employed. A plumb, a plumb line applies the law of gravity to find right angles to indicate the most direct route from the top to bottom to keep, the, to keep things plumb. A plumb line doesn't change or move while they are working. It remains true and all the work must line up with it or risk being crooked. The Lord pitches himself as the builder. Okay, so let's go now quickly to Amos chapter 7 verse 1 to 8. So here we see as believers in our life that God has initiated us in small beginnings to produce what? To produce the plumb line in our hands. Have you ever thought about this? Now God delights in small beginnings to see that building finished or the temple finished, meaning, meaning us. We are the temple of God now. He wants to see us finished. He wants us to see that temple complete in us. Okay, and we all start through small beginnings, but are you, as a believer, cooperating with him? And what, and what did God really put on earth for us to actually walk in? It's something you have to ask yourself. Is your motivation to focus in this area? So let's go to Amos chapter 7, verse 1 to 8. Now it's interesting, this scripture speaks about a locust. I spoke last week about a locust. I don't know how I went back to the locust, but I'm here again. So this is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. He was preparing swarms of locusts after the king's share had been harvested, harvested and just as the late crops were coming up. Now before I, before I show, you, show you this here, locusts, I've done a study last week about the locusts. Locusts are attracted to uh, plants or trees that have moisture and, and, and that are very wet. Symbolic of our lives still alive by the flesh. Because the opposite of a tree or a plant being full of moisture is dead wood. And we are, we are, to be co we are called to be dead wood. So when fire touches that wood, it can rekindle and it can keep on burning. So what happened when they fasted? They wore sackcloth and ashes, meaning the burnt coal, the burnt timber, that when the fire came upon it, it can easily be lit up. But if fire, touch, if fire touches a plant that's wet, the fire won't last. So locusts were attracted to vegetation spiritually speaking, to old natures, flesh that's still living. And the fire would come and it would, not, it would not be able to burn that whole plant. Are we getting it? Yes? So locusts are attracted to vegetation that's wet, symbolic of our life still functioning in the old nature. 
They're not attracted to dead wood. They will not, they will not be attracted to plants that are burning with fire, meaning us when we walk by the Spirit and the anointing of God. And the true anointing is to be crushed and to be truly made in the image of God. So here, look what it shows you here. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. He was preparing swarms of locusts after the king's share had been harvested. And just as the late crops were coming up, when they had stripped the land clean, I cried out, Sovereign Lord, forgive. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So what are we speaking about here? Small beginnings. He is so small. Now this is a picture here of when Christ comes in our lives. Guess what happens? We can't eat from that tree anymore. The tree of our flesh. The tree of our old nature. So there's a stripping that happens. Now look at this, the next scripture. So the Lord relented. This will not happen, the Lord said. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. The Sovereign Lord was calling for judgment by fire. He dried up great deep and devoured the land. Now after the locusts came, which is symbolic of we can't eat from that tree anymore, fire comes. Now this is a picture for every person here that is hungry to understand how does fire operate with God? And I want to show you a little mystery. I want to show you a little mystery that is very, very powerful. How does fire burn? Because what does fire do? It dried up the great deep and devoured the land. Now, what's that symbolic of today? It's when fire comes inside of us, it goes to the depths of our roots and burns everything up. Now, how does fire function in the Old Testament? What was it designed to do? I'm going to show, I'm going to show you it to you here. So if we can quickly go to Psalms 39, verse 3. Now, this scripture was very dear to me because it gave me such a great analogy of the baptism of fire. The baptism of fire is when you pray in tongues. Someone want to come in? The baptism of fire is when you pray in tongues. What does, the, what does it do? Judgment comes inside of you. What type of judgment? You begin to discern what is good and what is evil. The true conviction of the Holy Spirit begins to work in you. I can't tell you what this scripture done for me. Now this scripture here settled it for me how much I have to invest in praying in tongues with the Word of God. Now, this is very powerful. Now, let's read it. My heart grew hot within me. While I meditated, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Now, this is a picture of what the Holy Spirit was designed to do that you cannot accomplish on yourself. It is very powerful. And I asked people after reading these scriptures and showing them other scriptures, why they don't invest in the true work of the Holy Spirit that, that was designed to do something you can never do in your own strength. And it's true. So isn't it interesting? The clearing of the old nature first, then the burning from the land, the land from the roots, and then a plumb line is given. 
Now, isn't that an interesting picture? The clearing of the land, the old nature. Then, the fire, praying in tongues. What does it do? It clears every root for the plumb line to fall, for God to build his temple. You begin to see the analogy? Look what it says here. Can we keep going? Uh, back to the other scripture, please. I think it was verse 3. So the Lord relented, this will not happen, the Lord said. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. The Sovereign Lord was calling for judgment by fire. He dried up, was great, deep, and devoured the land. Then I cried out, Sovereign Lord, I beg you, stop. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented, this will not happen either. The Sovereign Lord said, this is what he showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb with a plumb line in his hand. Now isn't it interesting? The first, the clearing of the land, the clearing of the old nature, then fire begins to devour that land from the roots and then a plumb line is given. Why a plumb line? God can begin to build your house. A plumb line is given when you want to build or erect a, a wall. A wall to protect the presence of God inside of you. Are we understanding someone? It's very important that you understand this. So a plumb line is given after you have been established in praying in the Spirit. What does God do? A plumb line is given. You're walking the straight path with the Lord. He can build that temple to begin to decorate it, decorate your life, your soul, your spirit, your mind, so wherever you go, you will shine like Christ. I we understand him. Okay. So a plumb line is established. You're not living a crooked path anymore. Can we go to Isaiah 28, verse 16 and 17? Isaiah 28 to 16 to 17. So this is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion. We know that scripture in Peter, right? A tested stone. A precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Hail will sweep away your refuge, the lie, and water will overflow your hiding place. Now he has given us a picture that Jesus is the master builder with a plumb line from heaven pointing down on earth to show us the true path that we have to walk. So for small beginnings, for a believer who starts in small beginnings, what are the areas that you are to focus on? Are we ready? Let me show you. It's hidden in Job. Job chapter 8. So for all the people here wanting to know, I've given my heart to the Lord, I've surrendered my heart to the Lord, which areas now do I need to focus on as a believer? Isn't that a good question? Isn't it? 
Let's see if we line up. Let's see if we line up as believers that God can build a crooked wall by the time the plumb line hits our heart or can you build a straight wall? Are we ready? Are you ready to get your answer? Now, here was this scripture here is regarding the lack of repentance. But there are three areas that he focuses on. And I want to show it to you. And I want to speak about one of them that connects me with wisdom. If you would earnestly seek God and make your supplication to the Almighty, if you were pure and upright, now, what do we got here? We've got number one, pure, number two, upright. Surely now he would awake for you and prosper your rightful dwelling place. Though your beginning was small, what are we speaking about here? Small beginnings. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. So let's go back a second here. Here we're speaking about the lack of repentance. And he's showing us here in small beginnings, we are to focus on a major area called repentance. And there are three major principles that God focuses on in small beginnings. Now, can we go back please, one more verse. If you are pure and upright, this one and two. Surely now he would awake for you and prosper your rightful dwelling place. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. For inquire, please, of the former age and consider the things discovered by their fathers. For we were born yesterday and know nothing because our days on earth are a shadow. Will they not teach you and tell you and utter words from their heart? Can the papyrus grow up without a marsh? Can the reeds flourish without water? While it is yet green and not cut down, it withers before any other plant. So are the paths of all who forget God, and the hope of the hypocrite shall perish. Now we have three major principles he's dealing with here. Purity, being upright, and without hypocrisy. Now what are the wisdom teachings I've been up to now? I'm up to which one now? Without hypocrisy. Now it says here, so are the paths of all who forget God. Lack of purity, lack of uprightness, and being a hypocrite unfortunately leads you to the path of forgetting God. Are we understanding? If your focus aren't these three major principles, you're in trouble. And I'll explain. Just bear with me, please. So are the paths of all who forget God, and the hope of the hypocrite shall perish whose confidence shall be cut off and whose trust is a spider's web. 
Now, I want to sh share something with you. I had many dreams in the beginning of my journey about spiritual spiders. I had many dreams of spiritual spiders with webs trying to form in my mind early in my journey. I would wake up from shock. I would wake up from shock seeing the spider going to kill it and think this it's spiritual. And I actually saw the spider. Real life, I saw it, but it was actually spiritual. And I come to hit it and it just disappeared. So I asked the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, why am I seeing spiders in my dream? In the beginning of my journey. And I knew it was evil, but I couldn't put my finger on what really is happening to me. And the Holy Spirit answered me from this scripture. A spider's web is those who unfortunately uh, under attack. They lack in purity, lack in uprightness, and functioning unfortunately in traces of hypocrisy. Which path leads to them forgetting God? Which allows the spider, the spiritual spider, to understand what it really is symbolic of? Can we, can we see anyone? Whose confidence shall be cut off and whose trust is a spider's web. What is a spider's web? All that I just read to you. Can you see it now? He's showing you that demonic spider that's coming to you has been, has been sent to release all its webs inside of your mind with a plan and a purpose for you to forget God. Because what does a web do? How does, how does a spider catch its prey? Through a web. How does Satan catch his prey? Through that. <laughs> Can you understand? Can we understand someone? So all the people that are coming to me saying, I'm seeing spiders in my dream, you have your answer. So a demonic spider is, 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 a, is a demonic spider who attacks your mind, releases webs inside your mind to catch its prey. And how does it catch its prey? Lack of being upright, lack of being pure, and functioning in hypocrisy. Can we see this, someone? You better see this. Because those three principles lead to you forgetting God. Now, how does a hypocrite, how, how does you, how do you as a person operating and functioning in hypocrisy allow you to forget God? Very easy. If you're a hypocrite, you're, you're deficient of mercy. You're lacking mercy. You're lacking compassion. You're lacking love. That's how easy it is for you to forget God. Isn't that right? Because the way we remember God through the sacrifice is the mercy. Right? So a person who functions in a hypocrisy, superior, better than everyone else, unfortunately he's destitute of mercy. Now that spider's web blew me away. I had to share that with you. Because many, many years ago, I kept seeing that spiritual spider and I asked the Holy Spirit, why, are you why am I seeing this? And he spoke to my heart that these are the three areas that I'm to work on. Isn't that a wake-up call? Being pure, being upright, and without hypocrisy are the three areas that God focuses on in your small beginning. 
Is that your focus? Is that your focus? Or you've missed the path? Now, every, per- every time someone starts their journey, I ask them this question. What is God working on your heart? They struggle to answer me. And it's worrying. You know why? Because God's way of doing things is the same. The three areas that he focuses on, that holds the whole scriptures together. Purity is birthed by the fear of the Lord, right? One of the major principles in the scriptures. Being upright is God's character. So anyways, there you begin to see it now. In small beginnings in a person's journey are targeted three areas. Is this your focus? You have to get this. Is this your focus of being upright, being pure, and without hypocrisy? One of the greatest principles of wisdom is without hypocrisy. So, let's go into something here. Was that the end of the scripture? Or there was more? Fifteen. It went up to fifteen. I think I I jumped again. Uh, Could we go back one step? Okay, we'll just go to the next verse. He leans on his own house, but it does not stand. He holds it fast, but it does not endure. So here here we're seeing a clear picture that when God the Father, he releases the plumb line from heaven through the standard and through the way of Jesus Christ, he is establishing a straight path for us. A wall that can house the presence of God in us. So, I have good news. Today I like to speak about exposing hypocrisy in your heart. It's good news, right? It sure is, because once you see it, you'll know how to combat it. So, what are the traces, unfortunately, of the spirit of hypocrisy in a person's heart? I'm going to teach you today. So I'm not going to read all the scriptures. I'm just going to give you the points. I'll read some, maybe. I'll read some. I think I have to read some. You know why? Because this is the major area that births the ministry of God in your life. Who here believes they're called to do great things for the Lord? Hands up. Should be everyone. Whether you believe or you don't, God's ordained each one before the foundation of the universe. How you prepare, especially in the beginning, ushers the door in how God moves with you in the future. 
Now, if, now you need to understand this. All those principles are God's character. They're, that's God. That's who he is. The Bible says God is love. That's his character. Mercy, God is merciful. That's him. So when, when I preach about these principles, that's who God is. Now, hypocrisy began with Satan. And unfortunately, it's settled in many people's hearts today. But I'd like to share anyways. The first, the first principle of a person who unfortunately operates or a Pharisee spirit or a religious spirit who is devoid of hypocrisy lacks compassion and lacks mercy. We go to Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. So the first one, please look inside your hearts today and pay attention. The first principle that we can learn is that a person who functions in hypocrisy lacks compassion and lacks mercy for people. Let's read that scripture quickly. And a certain lawyer, an, an expert in Mosaic law, stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, never test Jesus Christ. Bow. Bow before him, never test him. Rather, help me, never test him. Help me, Lord, don't test him. And a certain lawyer, an expert in Mosaic law, stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he replied, You shall love the Lord your God. Now we're talking about loving the Lord your God. Pay attention now. Because this is a principle how we truly are in love with our Lord our God. And he gives you the answer at the bottom. And he replied, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this habitually, and you will live. But he, wishing to justify and vindicate himself, very good, asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he encountered robbers who stripped him of his clothes and belongings, beat him and went their way unconcerned, leaving him half dead. Now by coincidence, a priest was going down the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also came down to the place and saw him and passed by on the other side of the road. But a Samaritan foreigner who was traveling came upon him, and when he saw him, he was deeply moved with compassion for him. Now, we'll just stop there. He was deeply moved with compassion for him. Now, unfortunately, those religious leaders in that time, and maybe till today, they are devoid of compassion. They are so interested in their religious duties, but they forgot the true meaning of why they're here on earth. Do we understand that? So, we're talking about small beginnings here. 
small beginnings ushers the door for you to be great. But guess what happens? If you want to be something great for the Lord, what is the foundation for you to be full of compassion and mercy? Or you will not be able to stand. But a Samaritan, oh, could we go next scripture, please? And went to him and bandaged him and his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them to soothe the disinfect the injuries and put him on his own pack animal and brought him into an inn and take care of him. On the next day he took out two denarii, two day wages, and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him and whatever more you spend I'll repay you when I return. Which of these three do you think proved himself a neighbor to the man who encountered the robbers? He answered the one who showed compassion and mercy to him. Then Jesus said to him, go and constantly do the same. So we'll stop here. To show you here, focusing on the small things is very important for our lives to form the major principle that births the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that is what? Merciful and being compassionate. Now remember, we are speaking about the third principle of small beginnings. Now, are you in this journey here? Are you in this journey here with Christ and you're lacking mercy and you're lacking compassion? And you want to try to move forward? No, that's God's character that needs to be birthed in us before we can expect to do anything for the Lord. Are we understanding? Because what is your motive if you're not led by compassion to the people? Jesus was led to them with compassion to, to preach the gospel to them, to heal them with the power of God. The power is attracted to a heart of compassion and mercy. So the first step of a person or the first principle of a person who is functioning in hypocrisy, he lacks compassion and mercy for people. Number two, Peter's denial of Jesus where he claimed to be the most loyal disciple. Number two, a person who functions in hypocrisy lacks loyalty. Now let's take a step back now. A person who functions in hypocrisy, unfortunately, in their heart, he's not a loyal person in general. Now can I ask you something? Can you test your loyalty? How loyal are you to people? How loyal are you to people? When someone does wrong by you, does your loyalty change? Or do you believe everyone's like that? I, shouldn't, I don't need to be loyal to them. The whole world's like this. But Christ was loyal unto where? Unto death. He was loyal. He sacrificed. We are to be loyal unto death. No matter what people do to us, no matter how people treat us, we have to be loyal unto death. Why? Because that's Christ's character. So 
So hypocrisy lacks loyalty. Number one, a person who is a hypocrite lacks compassion and mercy. Number two, a person who is a hypocrite lacks loyalty. You know how many times I watch the people in the Bible study and the body of Christ in the church. And I've seen so many times good things happen to them through people. Unfortunately, when something bad happens, their loyalty is broken. And that shows what? It doesn't show that you're lacking loyalty. It shows that the spirit of hypocrisy is inside your heart. Because the Pharisees did that. The religious spirits, the, uh, the religious people in the Bible done that. So test your loyalty. Are you a loyal person? Because Jesus was so loyal that he covered our nakedness and didn't want anyone to see our nakedness. Do you treat people like that? Even if they're not worthy to be treated like that? Because Jesus done the same for us. We were not worthy, yet he covered our nakedness. He was loyal to us to the end. What does that show in your heart? If you're not a loyal person, unfortunately, the religious spirit, through hypocrisy, has infiltrated your heart. Because Peter claimed to be what? The most loyal person. Mm. Interesting. Number three. Hypocrisy will never focus on the more important things or the deep things of God. Matthew 23, 23, 24. Now this is a bit deeper than you think. I want you to take your time in this. It says here, Woe to you! Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. Hypocrisy will never go deep with God. You know that? Hypocrisy will never allow you to go deep with God, to focus on the more important things of what's inside your heart with God. Go to number four. Hypocrisy says the right things with the mouth, but the heart is far from God. Matthew, 17, Matthew 15, verse 7 to 8, please. Now we're attacking here, hypocrisy. It says here, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Can we just go to the next scripture? It wasn't part of it, but I'll just share with you. So a person who operates in hypocrisy will say the right things, but in their heart they don't do the truth. Now look what it says here. Now this is a funny one. They worship me in vain. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. 
Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into your mouth does not defile you, but what comes out of your mouth, that is what defiles you. Next one. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended with when they heard this? Now, isn't it interesting? The religious, the religious spirit, the Pharisaical spirit that lacks hypocrisy, speaks something but doesn't do it in its heart. The next principle is easily offended. So we, we're going a bit little deeper here now. A person who's easily offended, unfortunately, has traces of the spirit of hypocrisy in their heart. Now, everyone can close your ears to that one. <laughs> close your ears. Now, number one, a person who functions, unfortunately, in the spirit of hypocrisy, lacks compassion and lacks mercy. Number two, a person who functions in hypocrisy lacks loyalty. You need to see this. Because if your loyalty is cheap, what can you actually look after regarding God's kingdom? What can you? Why I do what I do today? Because I'm loyal to Jesus. Because he was loyal for my life. My loyalty is not based how you respond. Many respond in different ways. But my loyalty is based on Jesus. Because he was loyal to me, I'm loyal to him now. My loyalty is for you now, because of him. So when you give your loyalty to people, it has to be unwavering. You have to be a true person who's willing to go to the end with them. Because that's what loyalty is. Today, if, if a loyalty is broken inside a church, it's beautiful. One kilometer down, they go to another church. Another kilometer, they go to another church. Until they maybe move areas. But it's sad what our loyalty has become. When we don't get our way, when we don't get what we want to hear, we go. Our loyalty is broken. But with Christ, it's different. Now, I just want to see your own hearts. You may not see loyalty in the church. You may see loyalty through relatives, loyalty through family, loyalty through friends. If they're done bad by you, your loyalty is cut. You don't want nothing to do with them anymore. That shows what? The spirit of hypocrisy. Now, this is a big one. Hypocrites are selfishly competitive, even if it means blocking people from reaching God for other people. Matthew 23, 13. Now, how many woes are there in the gospel here? It speaks about seven woes. Seven woes. Woe, woe, seven times. And in Revelation, it speaks about it also. Very deep teaching. It actually attacks the religious spirit. Now, now, in the beginning of this year, when the Holy Spirit took me into heaven, when I was on a fast, the Holy Spirit showed me that this church was getting attacked by a religious spirit. And it makes all the sense now 
of the traits that are that symbolic of religious spirit and how we have to attack it and oppose it. And to be honest, the religious spirit lacks one major principle, it's the love of God. Because when the love of God's evident in a person's life, you forever be full of compassion, full of mercy, full of loyalty, full of truth, full of obedience. And the Holy Spirit showed me that this spirit's gonna come against you and the church. And it's interesting of what it tries to do. Now look at this here. People who are selfishly competitive, they will even block you from getting to God if it's not through them. And I want you to see this. It says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Now it's just interesting how it hides in the churches today. And, and, how, and how that religious spirit has entered so many, peop so many people, unfortunately, through control. Hypocrites use the Bible to test people. Go to um, Matthew eleven fifty three to 54. Luke or Matthew? And as he said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him. Now, Pay attention here, everyone here. The, the spirit of hypocrisy lies in wait for someone to catch someone out. You know, what, you know how many times I have seen this? And can I share something with you? We are talking about small beginnings here. We are talking about small beginnings here. How many people here read the Word of God and they've just sprouted, looking for a way to trap someone else. How many? How many people here have waited to hear someone speak, to see someone do something that's not appropriate in any way, to wait to catch them out? That's what the spirit of hypocrisy does. You know, the most dangerous thing that I've seen, someone carry the Bible with the spirit of hypocrisy. Why? Because their motive is not to free this person or to help the person overcome. It's to catch them out because of their own pride. So we're talking about small beginnings here to become fruitful, to become a person who can be used by the Lord. And this here has damaged and destroyed many people today. And that's the worst thing I've ever seen is someone carry the truth with hypocrisy. They have condemned and trapped so many people. So look at this here, lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him. Isn't that interesting that the spirit of hypocrisy 
is after one assignment is to accuse people is to accuse people think about that think about that the spirit of hypocrisy has one motive is to accuse people and to cut them down in churches today I can't see how much I've seen this So let's go through them again. A person who functions in hypocrisy lacks compassion and lacks mercy, lacks loyalty, lacks insight in the deeper things of God. Hypocrisy will never allow you to get close to God. Hypocrisy are selfishly competitive. Hypocrisy, hypocrites are easily offended. Hypocrites use the Bible to test and to trap people, to accuse them. Number eight, the final one, it's probably the biggest one. Hypocrites or hidden hypocrisy focuses on rules first, relationships second. Spirit of hypocrisy focuses on rules first, relationship seconds. Jesus focused on what? Relationship first, then truth. He builds a relationship with us, then he speaks the truth to us. The spirit of hypocrisy does the opposite. It goes for rules first, over relationships. Can we see that? What's Jesus interested in? A relationship. He wants to show us that he's won our hearts. Then the truth begins to get implanted to a person that allows them to escape from all that is evil. The spirit of hypocrisy, what does it do? It, it judges someone from the Bible and it wants nothing to do with them. Jesus is different. He builds a relationship with us and then slowly, slowly, he starts to reveal the truth that we can handle that transforms us. You see the difference between the spirit of hypocrisy and the spirit of Jesus? You see it? So we're talking about small beginnings here. Is this your focus? Now this may be a boring teaching for you, but this is what holds the ministry of God. This is what holds the power of God. This is what holds the will of God. And if you're not seeking this, what are you seeking then? If you're not seeking to become like Christ, what are you actually seeking? What are you actually seeking? If you're not preaching the gospel because of compassion and mercy, because Jesus gave you that, then what are you actually seeking? You think about it. If you're a person who lacks loyalty, and you've burned bridge upon bridge upon bridge with the people, with your friends, with work people, then you begin to see the damage that the spirit of hypocrisy has done to your heart. Are we understanding this here? God's looking for what? Loyal people. Now if your loyalty is to Jesus, your loyalty is also to the people. It doesn't differ. It's the truth. Are you a loyal person? 
Because if you're not a loyal person, you would not accept any task from the Lord. I've had more backlash than uh, being lifted up. But my loyalty is for Jesus. My loyalty is not for the people. My loyalty is to Jesus first, then I can give out of his heart. But I'm just teaching you here. Loyalty is a big word. And hypocrisy, unfortunately, will say what it wants, wants no responsibility. So are you a person of responsibility? Because that's when loyalty, that's when God begins to really function a person's heart. So I'll stop here. But I'm sharing with you here small beginnings. Who's interested in small beginnings? It's boring. I want to get to the top very quick. I don't need to go through these things. That's why so many Christians are not well nourished and established by the Lord Jesus Christ. Because they're not dying to the, to the right things that the Lord wants them to die into. They're not seeing what needs to be addressed so they can actually get promoted to the next level of their faith. Isn't that interesting? Now you awake, everyone? Or? If you don't deal with those three areas in your life, mainly hypocrisy in the beginning, you will not be given any responsibility for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Satan will be very easily able to take you out early in your journey. Now I learned something in my journey. We cannot say anything to someone who's struggling in the beginning. People may sin differently. It's still the same smell. When you learn to be a person of compassion and mercy, you look for a way to see where they can get out through love and compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I share with you, hypocrisy has destroyed many people's hearts today. Especially when the enemy comes knocking on the door. So let's pray. The two, I feel like the two major principles that I spoke about is the lack in compassion and mercy and the loyalty. The plumb line from heaven is falling down on earth, wanting us to measure the true standard of what a true wall should be, meaning the wall of faith. And I encourage you today, it's simple teaching, but it's such a direction spiritually for us to actually focus on. And I want you to be aware that Jesus is the master builder, right? Yes? Jude 1.20 tells you, building yourself. He's talking about a building. By building yourself up on the most holiest faith, he's praying in the Holy Spirit. He's talking about a building now. 
but after the building begins, after the building starts to erect, a plumb line is given where you've learned the true standards of God. You've learned what, what it truly means to follow Christ. And those three principles will change your life if you are to focus on those things. They will change your life forever because a person who is without hypocrisy has established Christ's character in their heart. You need to know this. A person who is upright is living righteously with the Lord. Now why are you seeking Christ? This is what he's after. And it's the truth. Purity, uprightness, and without hypocrisy are the small beginnings that God sees, okay, this person is focusing on these things and he's actually growing. And someone, someone will say, he preaches the same message every week. No, that's the message of God. That's not the same message every week. That's the message of God. He's showing us now that he's the builder and he wants to build us the same way that he, that he teaches from heaven, he's teaching here now. We are to live like this. Now I tell you something, a person who doesn't go after these principles will not be used by God because they are fake. And the spirit of hypocrisy is fake. Even behind truth. Jesus wants pure people, loyal people, trustworthy people, people who walk truly in his image. And if you're seeking God for this, you will succeed in every way. That's his promise. Because you've learned what? You've learned the straight path. You're no longer on a crooked path. And I share with you so you can understand this. God delights in small beginnings, wanting to see the building complete. He wants to see it complete. He wants to complete your building. But is that your desire? We've come to learn about the Lord Jesus here today, right? Is that your desire? I can only share with you what his desire is. The rest is, it has to be your desire also. But I, I, I want Christ in a different way. That's the problem with the churches today. They want Christ for the needs and the wants, not to become like him. Think about it. Christ, Christ wants you to become like him. Because he's the master builder and we are his workers. We are those stones that he wants to establish. Now please ask yourself today, why am I truly seeking God if my desire aren't, aren't these principles? Ask yourself. Ask yourself. If your desire is not to be pure, to be upright and without hypocrisy, then you've missed the mark. Hypocrisy is massive in the body of Christ today. Nearly in every statement of people's hearts, there's a trace of hypocrisy. 
And when I saw that inside of my heart, humbly saying, when I saw that in my heart, I pleaded with the Lord to take that from me. I don't want to be this person. But some people have been feeding her for days and weeks and months and years. Be prepared to work on it now. It's the only truth I can leave you here today. Because in the book of Job, it says that your small beginning will turn out like a, like a big blessing. It will increase abundantly. Why? Because you have focused on the true path of what it means to repent. True repentance sounds like this. Being pure, being upright, and without hypocrisy. That's true repentance. And like I said, the foundation of what it takes to deal with the spirit of hypocrisy is the love of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There are some people here, maybe it's the first time, but they've had hard upbringings uh, regarding their relationship with their father. This is for new people. They've had hard relationships, hard upbringings with their father, and unfortunately they've inherited that same heart where nothing ever has satisfied them in their heart where they've never been happy I'd like to pray for you I'm, I'm not here to call you out in front of everyone but the Holy Spirit wants to heal you from this past where your father didn't give you love he was very hard on you I'd like to pray for you so that the Lord Jesus can heal your heart So please, don't be afraid to come up. But I saw maybe more than one where they had hard upbringings from their father that was very strict and very hard on them. And they, they fell into a path of bitterness and didn't want to live life anymore. I'd like to pray for you if you can come up, please.